Is this thing still on? I think they can hear us a bit better now. Should we keep talking? Of course. Let's say it louder for those in the back. Hi, and welcome to the Green Nurse Podcast, an unfiltered discussion about health and healthcare. My name is Amy Archibald Burley. And my name is Sarah Fung. And we are your podcast hosts. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, iHeartRadio, or any other podcast platform, don't forget to hit subscribe so you can get updates on new episodes. If you love our podcast and our advocacy work, please go to www.grittynurse.com and click on the Support Us button. This will give you access to exclusive episodes and early releases on a monthly basis. This will help us with the cost of running the podcast, the time and energy to put out awesome and informative episodes. And for that, we thank you and we appreciate you. So, Sarah, I have a question for you. Yes, Amy? Nurses nurses tend to be really good at a lot of things. Like, I think we can easily list off a variety of different things that we're really, really good at. But there are things that nurses are not good at. Dun, dun, dun. What do you think nurses suck with? I'm going to say change, Amy. Oh, my God. Do I get God. a point for that? <laughs> Ding, 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 ding. Sarah gets a thousand points. Yeah. (laughs) So today we are going to actually talk about things that I think nurses can do better. And one of them is adapting to change. And I, you know what, we might get in trouble for this episode, but, but honestly, like it's not a stereotype. It's not, we're not making this up. Nurses are horrible. When it comes to change. (laughs) Oh, I wholeheartedly agree. I think this is something I learned really early on in nursing school, especially going through my different placements. I saw how frustrated nurses were with any type of change. And I obviously big changes are hard, but even really little changes, I think um, we just get stuck in our ways and some people more than others. And the thing is, what I've learned about healthcare in the 15 years I've been in it, it's just, um, it's a never ending cycle of change. And the only thing I've known really is that things never stay the same. In my experience, I have been, I've ha- I've had three jobs where as soon as I started the job, we had to move to another unit or, you know, we had to move to another floor. So this basically is all I've known. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I understand. And and the thing is, like, we're we're guilty of this, too, where we've been in the mindset, particularly in in our own roles in healthcare, where, you know, we've been doing something for a very long time. Like, like let's give let's give this example. So documentation. OK, so. One of the things that I remember when I first started documenting in labor and delivery as a nurse, we used paper. So for those of you who might be laughing, paper was all the rage back then. Like that's how we used to chart. Oh, I know. It's and and this is maybe just showing how maybe showing how old we are, but especially in labor and delivery, there was flow sheets upon flow sheets upon flow sheets for everything to think of. And then then you had your progress notes where anything that didn't flow fit on a flow sheet, or maybe if it did, you would write it in a progress note. Handwritten orders, handwritten progress notes. And also um I remember handwriting information on 
blood tubes. Like we didn't even have at one point, we didn't even have a printer. <laughs> or, or if there was the infamous right. downtime, right? Because there's always downtime, then you had to handwrite. I'm like, that's so sketchy now that I think about it. Because anybody could have written anything and we would have just taken, we would have taken it for what it was. Yeah. Like when I think back to, you know, labor and delivery and those flow sheets, like I, I remember when I heard that our, our hospital was getting a new HIS, so a new a new health information system, I was scared. I was like, oh no, we can't do, th- we've been doing this. We know what we're doing. Why do we have to change it now? And boy, when that change rolled in, the resistance was unbelievable. You would, so we're just like, no, we're not going to change. We're going to stay like this forever. And we're just really, we're just really, when it comes to that, just not really adaptable. But the change came. And boy, did I like those checklists. <laughs> when, we, when, we were, when we're using computers, I'm like, oh, wow, this is like so much faster. Click, 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 click. I'm like done my charting, right? But I think what we wanted to kind of talk about is like, what is the science behind or the thinking behind why it is so difficult for nurses and not just specifically like HIS, it could be really anything, but why is it particularly more difficult? And maybe I shouldn't just say this in nursing. Maybe it's also just a healthcare thing. Maybe it's because I think there's, there's evidence that says, you know, for change to actually occur. Like, so, you know, someone could write an evidence-based article about, you know, some revolutionary medicine or revolutionary treatment or or intervention. And what they say is the knowledge to translation gap is anywhere between like 10 to 15 years. So could you imagine you and me, we we researched something really great today, right? So 2022, and that doesn't get implemented into like until like 20, <laughs> like 37. That's crazy. Well, I mean, just think about it. By the time you implement it, there's already going to be new evidence to right. suggest something else. So it's almost like you're you're changing so slowly that you're never going to be on the cutting edge of anything. And I'm sure anybody listening in any other industry would be like, well, it takes me like 15 months to change something. It takes us in healthcare right. 10 times longer, 10 times. And this is stuff that you think that would actually make a difference in people. Like we're literally talking about lives here. And the ch- the the pace at which we innovate is so slow. But see, like one of the things that I'd like to say is like, I don't know if it's, I don't even know if it's, that's not necessarily nursing specific. I think there's so much bureaucracy in terms of implementing the changes. Like they think about like, you know, how does this impact our budget, our our finances? How um, is this change worth making? Like, do we need research? Do we need ethics? Do we need all these various different things? And there's a lot of bureaucracy in terms of, you know, implementing practice, but but just bringing it back around to the fact of the matter is like, I remember being, you know, an educator and like a practice that we had, I'm going to, I'm going to name something specifically. So intermittent auscultation. And then there's another form, which is called EFM. So external fetal monitoring, where you would leave those on for a period of time. And those are indicated for more serious types of conditions. Well, do you remember what it was like trying to implement something like in, in intermittent auscultation. Oh yeah, and by the way, we're trying to make it easier. We're trying to make it easier and less work. And the amount of resistance that comes about trying to give people less work is quite surprising. You have to do more work to get people to do less work to understand that they're going to do less work. But like let's maybe kind of break it down in terms of like what do we think is really happening? And and you know, I I don't want I don't want to just say this is nursing. It's probably a healthcare thing. But like what is what is 
what is behind the resistance to change? What do you think it might be? Well, you know, I am just going to speak from personal experience. I would say that mainly nurses feel very uninvolved in any change that occurs. So we don't involve nurses at the front line. We don't ask them for their opinion. We don't really involve them in any way. So the first time they hear about something is when somebody from management comes to the unit and says, hey, we're going to do this differently now. Here's the new uh, policy or here's the new order set. And you're like, what? What's happening? Um, And I guess, you know, depending on the organization, it could look differently. But essentially, I feel like nurses don't feel involved in the change and they don't feel invested and they feel either some version of powerlessness or, you know, even disrespect because this is something that we've sprung on them. And this happens time and time again. What are your thoughts? (laughs) You're absolutely right. I remember being on the receiving end and then also being on the giving end. So being that nurse at, at the front line and then literally it was like, it was like next day, oh, there's a new policy and we're just changing all this, like no involvement. And I remember being on the giving end. So, you know, we became the clipboards. Mm-hmm, or, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know what I mean? We became the clipboards. And and I remember trying so hard because I, I remember being there. Like I hadn't been so far removed from the bedside to understand that if you don't involve nurses or the healthcare team within the change, that they're not going to – there's no buy-in. Mm-hmm. They just don't want to do it. And I mean – I get that. I, I remember being there where, you know, the clipboard came around and they're like, you need to do this. And it's just like, well, why? You didn't involve me. So I agree with you 100% that, you know, nurses should be involved in the changes and nurses should be abreast of like, you know, um, what what is required of them, how they can participate and be involved in that process. And I, I, re- I also remember on, you know, the receiving end, because I think this is the, you know, the, the curtains that people don't see when we're in these positions that we get kind of shit on from the top. Oh, yeah. From <laughs> so both ends, like, actually. <laughs> yeah, we get <laughs> the nurses are yelling at us. And then, you know, management is like pooping on us, right? And it's just it, it makes it for a very difficult situation for educators to be in when, you know, one on one hand hand you're you're trying to make sure that nurses are a part of the change and that does take time and then you have pressures from above saying well you need to do this in this specific time frame which you know what it never made any sense to me if it took 15 years and we've had this evidence for 15 years prior to this why are you giving me a 3 month to 6 month deadline <laughs> to, to try to make this change now. Like it never made sense to me. I was like, why don't we just do this the right way so people actually feel like they're a part of the process? Because I think generally if people feel that they're empowered, that they have a say, they have, they have, you know, the the seat at the table, then they'll be one, they'll be more likely to want to change. Right. And how many times have we seen a rollout just fail? Because management and management didn't want to put the resources into it. So what I would love is if we actually gave nurses paid time off to be part of the change. The most difficult thing for me all the time was I'd go into the unit with Amy, um, you know, or maybe by myself, and I would be asked to do a huddle. So huddles are, you know, short meetings, anywhere from 15 to 20 minutes where we talk about things. And in this huddle, I would be expected to roll out a change because that was just the way (laughs) things were done. And it's just completely unrealistic to expect nurses to be able to drop what they're doing with their patients and listen to something for 15 minutes and then assume that they've absorbed 100% of the information and they're going to completely change their practice from here on out. 
I'm so glad you touched on that. So that is like the other key principle is incentivizing nurses to be a part of that change. So how many times were we told, go out and do these huddles and make sure they get this education? They're just trying to go about their day. Like we were just trying to go about our day. And sometimes you don't like you might have not even peed for the day. And now you got to stop to hear someone like, oh, we're we're doing this right now. Mm-hmm. No, it doesn't necessarily flow into the day. So if you want people to be a part of this change, nurses, other people that are part of the team, incentivize it by paying them. Oh, my God. What a novel concept that you invite people to be a part of the change and you pay them for their skills, knowledge and education and and, you know. Their expertise, that's what you're bringing them to the table for. But we don't incent, like everything for nursing is this like crazy free labor. Like you got to do this for free. And we've been seeing it in the pandemic. Oh, you guys are heroes. You guys are so humble, so meek, so kind. No, pay us, bitch. We don't want to <laughs> do this shit for free. We are, we, but you know, it's true. Like there are part-time workers. There are people who are away from their families. They're like, this shouldn't be just another thing. Cause it's always, it's always another thing added on top of the plate, which is already full. We haven't peed. We haven't had lunch. We haven't had a sip of water. I think there were so many times I had got, uh, there was no point in drinking water because I knew I was going to make it to the bathroom that we have to consider these other things to make like, just, you know, how many times, Sarah, did we call a huddle and you you heard the nurses grunting or they heard like our high heels coming like click, 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 and they like scatter. Right. And I actually feel bad because we were told to incentivize nurses using really childish techniques. So remember we had that jar of candy that we would give out if anybody <laughs> came to a huddle? Like, honestly, that was so embarrassing. Or like comments. stickers, like, come on. Well, I remember the comments like we'd bring the candies out and they'd be like, we don't want that. That's from like three months ago. Or they like hunt around the candy. bottom of the bowl. And they, <laughs> they would hunt around oh, the bottom of the bowl and they'd be like, no, we don't want any of this. And the other thing is like, I actually remember someone saying, you know, why wouldn't you bring us like healthy snacks that would keep us going through the shift? So like, you know, like fresh fruit or whatever. And I was just like, because they won't pay for that shit. They would rather like go spend, you know, $7 on like a <laughs> hundred bag of like gummy bears or whatever and give you guys diabetes, <laughs> blast your sugar through the roof. And then like, like it's just not an incentive. Oh my gosh. But we did it, right? We did. Like, I think, yes, people are, I think they appreciated the gesture. Let's, let's say that they at least appreciate the gesture, but it was just, you're right. It was very childish ways to get people engaged. And again, this is another thing I see in nursing a lot. Like they don't treat us like adults. Like we don't have the decision making capacities and abilities because we're frontline. Just because we're frontline doesn't mean we don't have the same abilities that the educator can have or someone who's master's trained or whatever the case may be. Stop treating frontline staff like they're like they're novices and they don't know anything just because they don't want to write a policy or they don't know how to write a policy doesn't mean that's something that can't be taught but i do see a lot that nurses are treated like Mm -hmm. kind of childlike right and just going back to the whole free labor thing i actually used to work somewhere where i was part of a committee um it was me and another nurse and they wouldn't pay us 
wouldn't pay us to do the work. And yeah, come in, come in for oh, you, we had you for one hour, but uh, we, we have to at least pay you for a minimum right. so, and of four hours. So so we're not going to have you come right. in. So to so do at, this at work. one point, I said to the um, the person in leadership, I'm like, are you going to pay us? Are you going to advocate for us to be paid? And she was just like a doormat. She's like, oh, uh, uh. and now that I've been in leadership, I'm like, she totally could have advocated for us. This was a this was an organization that was well funded. Let's say this was the same organization that I was part of where every year they would pay nurses for two or three entire days for what we called annual study days. And so this is how this is why I know what can be done, because I was part of that when I was a frontline staff nurse and it actually worked out really well. Yes, it was boring. I'm not going to lie. I may have sat in the back and I may have taken some extra treats, but I listened and I learned because (laughs) I wasn't distracted by call bells, like being pulled in different directions where you have patients that need you, but then you have a manager that's saying you need to attend this huddle to learn, right? It's not it's not fair to anybody involved. Yeah. So right there, the 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 main point of the second issue is nurses don't like change because we're not incentivized to be a part of the change. The other thing that I think is important to talk about in terms of you know why nurses are resi- uh, like resistant to change is also because of history. So what I mean by that is. It's it's almost as how how would I describe it? It's almost as similar as you know when we say, okay, so, and I think we've all heard this statement. Well, I've been doing this for fifteen years, and why should I change something that was working then? It should be working now. It still is working now. Why should I change it? That is a really hard mentality to break out of, but we have to break free from that mentality. Just because you were doing it thirty years ago, fifteen years ago, ten years ago. The science is changing. It's evolving. Literally, Sarah, it's evolving every single day. You have to be able to be like, all right, maybe this is what I was doing. I'm com- I was comfortable with this. I am uncomfortable with that, but let's work through this and let's do this together. Yeah. And I think the most perfect example I can think of is just how much uh, the evidence and guidelines have changed with the pandemic since we first started. So I remember the first episode we did was in mid-March of 2020. And things that we said on that podcast, like only probably half of it is still true. (laughs) Right. No, I agree. It was was crazy because I remember saying to you, I remember being like, oh, you know, like, we're not going to be wearing masks or, you know, this will be done very soon. And I remember the first day that I went out and bought masks and was like, okay, like this, this is, is happening. This is, this is really happening. Right. And, and even so, like, this is another point that, you know, some people kind of bring up and we talked about the bureaucracy of, you know, how long a change takes. I think when people come together and they really have an, a, a set goal in mind, and specifically with the pandemic, because, you know, we were seeing so many lives being lost. There were so many unknowns. There were so many different things we didn't know. Brilliant minds came together and made that shit work. So people were like, oh, it happened so fast. It was like, no, things happen too slow in healthcare. This is a good thing. This is a good thing that we know that we can like expedite the process by putting our collective brain powers together to actually see to like to put forward something to keep our population safe and and healthy. So it's so now there's really actually no excuse for the fact that we have all this information, all this evidence and it takes so long to change. So again, like 
you're right. The pandemic is a perfect example of seeing how change and how people can really mobilize to make change happen very quickly. Right. And I think we often underestimate people's ability to change because I remember thinking of all of the reasons why um, kids wouldn't wear masks, for example. So, you know, it's uncomfortable. It's hot for them. They won't be able to breathe. And I was actually really surprised how my, how fast my own kids adapted to wearing a mask. So when the pandemic started, my kids were only two and almost five at the time. And they, they are so good at wearing masks now. Like they actually, they actually remind me that they needed their mask before they go. If I've ever forgotten, I will get in trouble by them. So I think that it's, it's maybe it's a bit of role modeling too, but I think that we underestimate how quickly people can change if, if there's, you know, a really good incentive there. I agree. And I think, you know, I think actually, again, just the pandemic is a good, good way and a good example of seeing how people can change quite rapidly. And I think when I think about healthcare in terms of how, and just nurses too, in terms of that, that change model, I think it's something that we can do, but again, I think it's something that we have to still be cognizant of because for example, like you said, with COVID-19, the, the science is continuing to change the health, uh, the health guidelines are starting to change. And we also just need to have a realistic perspective on how things are going. Right. I mean, that is the other, that's like the other downside to, you know, some of our stubbornness. And I can tell you, I can be very stubborn when I want to, <laughs> but I also have to be realistic. And I think this is maybe another principle that we we all should have as healthcare providers. What is realistic? What is something, is it something that we can continue to attain? Is Has the evidence shifted in a different way? And do we need to you know, like switch our gears. And I can see how difficult that can be. For example, like, you know, we've been, we've been going through the pandemic, science has been coming up saying that, you know, for example, you might not have to mask outdoors. But at the end of the day, like, again, it is a personal choice, but we do still have to follow the evidence and what the evidence is saying. But I do know that there's that hesitation to just stay the same with everything in healthcare. It's just like, we, you just feel so stuck and I get it. And I get, and I don't think any, anybody should be judged for their choices. But at the end of the day, we need our, the way that we behave and the way that we act in healthcare needs to be informed by evidence. And it's, if it's not informed by evidence and it's informed by your feelings, well, you know, facts don't care about your feelings. Right. So at the end of the day, we have work to do, right? Yeah. And there are actually a lot of really quick uh, or cool innovations that came out of the pandemic. So for one one example would be virtual care. So oh, I was going to say, yeah. So in my organization, um, this had been on the strategic plan for the last five years. But for mm-hmm. one reason or another, we just couldn't get all the stakeholders on board. But as soon as the pandemic hit, it was like, okay, we have to get this together or we're going to start losing business. So then there was that financial incentive and all of a sudden it came together and what I think it was a month or two like it just we cobbled it together we made it happen but I think like you said Amy the the right incentives need to be there and everybody has to be on board for things to happen the way that they need to happen and with the speed that they need to happen in yeah you're, you're right the virtual care world like I think when I think back to like how many people were talking about virtual care before, and a lot of people were actually saying, no, 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 this can't be done. That can't be done. Or, you know, it's not going to be adequate. Man, they pulled that together quick. <laughs> it was just like, zip, zip, zip. And, and it's just amazing to see when people put their minds to it, you can mobilize change. And then I think the last principle that is probably the most important principle when it comes to change in healthcare 
is talking about who it should benefit. At the end of the day, you know, the change might not benefit you, but it might benefit the patient. <laughs> like at the end of the day, if we're changing the way we're doing things. And again, this is also a principle that we have to remember for when we're making changes that may not work in patients' favors as well. It should never be about the provider. It should be about the people. So if we are making changes and they aren't supporting the people, they're supporting, you know, power, they're supporting finances, they're supporting capitalism, they're supporting your bottom dollar, then yeah, nurses, be resistant because at the end of the day, that change is not going to help the patient. Fine. Done. I'm I'm happy if you dig your heels in as deep as you possibly can. That is okay. At the end of the day, if the change is about people, better healthcare outcomes, you know, greater accessibility, um, you know, better resources, better education, better outcomes, we got to do something different. You got to do it. <laughs> like at the end of the day, if it's going to benefit patients and families or community, public health, poverty, anti-racism, those are the changes that we want to see. Yeah. And actually, when you were mentioning having nurses at the table, I actually think we should have more patients at the table in terms of any change, yes. because there's this perception that, oh, well, you know, what do patients know about policy? Well, actually, you don't know until you involve them. They might have something really important to say that you've never thought of before. And so I think in terms of change involving all the right people, that includes the people that are going to receive the change in care. Um, that's super important too. Yeah, you 100%. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, like Accreditation Canada and these various different, you know, accreditation bodies say that patient partners and patient relations, these these individuals are the most important. And I completely agree with that. And I think that that's, that is always, always the missing the missing link, right? You, we, we make these policies, we make these changes. We don't inform people who are, like you said, receipt on the receiving end and all the stuff goes to hell, right? Oh, you know, why are we getting all these complaints about this particular process or this particular procedure? It's because you didn't involve the right people and the right people are also patients and families. They should be a part of the changes. They are the some of the most, if not the most important person to be a part of the change. And if we don't involve them, it it, it will eventually go to hell. Like it just won't work the way that it should. Yeah. And in healthcare, I, I get it. Like I've been there. We're all spinning because we don't even know what we're supposed to focus on. So it's really important to prioritize the changes that you want to make. So instead of trying to change 10 things at once, just pick one or two things and do it properly. And then you won't have to redo it. Um, and one thing I also want to say about change is it really starts at the beginning. So I know we talk a lot about nursing school, but I think it's important in nursing school to set that mentality that the only constant in healthcare is change, that things are always going to change. We had a guest on our podcast previously who said that, or maybe it was somewhere else. I think they said the rate of change in healthcare is only going to increase in the next few years. Like it's not slowing down or stopping anytime soon. So we just need to be prepared for that. Yeah. And I mean, even just thinking about um, the last two, almost three years, like there's been a lot that had been put on hold because of COVID, because, you know, services were under huge amounts of pressure, huge amounts of stress. Like I, I still know that like emergency departments are still on fire, medicine units, the flow, everything is still super, super challenging. But again, this may be the new normal. We have to think innovatively about how we might go about doing these things. And also you're right. Like 
we just need to be cognizant of the time too. I think sometimes we get into these situations where, you know, everything is mission critical. We got to change this right now. We got to change this. Like, again, if it's not affecting patient outcomes, it can wait. You can prioritize. There's lots of different matrices that you can use to prioritize the type of work that you're doing in your organization. Use them. We can't throw the kitchen sink at people at the front lines right now because we are exhausted. Nurses are burning out. Physicians are burning out. Allied health. I've been hearing about like, you know, sonographers, ultrasound techs, various different groups of people that are that have never been, you know, facing some of the challenges that maybe nurses and physicians facing getting that type of backlash. And we just need to be patient with one another. Like, I mean, it, it sounds like such a simple concept, but I think that whole because of what we've been dealing with over the past two years, it's been very difficult. We just need to be able to take that step back and be like, ask yourself, ask your team, ask your leaders, is this the right time? Are we doing the right thing? And, you know, if we don't do this change, is it is it mission critical? And I and I bet you that most of the things are not mission critical. Yes, we do need to make the changes, but let's just be sensible about it. Right. Or it's mission critical to one person that thinks that their opinion is more important <laughs> yeah. than anybody else's opinion. I'm not going to point fingers at any particular individuals, but I think in healthcare, we know who some of these people are. And they're typically yeah. the the type of people who feel that anything they have to say is more important than what anyone else has to say. Yeah, we know them. <laughs> they they, ha- they have names and faces. We can easily point them out, but we won't for today's purposes. But at the end of the day, like we, we touched on a lot of different things. We talked about, you know, um, how difficult it is for nurses and various other healthcare providers why to change, why it might be difficult. We talked about, you know, research and knowledge to translation gap. We talked about the importance of in, involving nurses, involving people them within the change. And we talked about the bureaucracy. And at the end of the day, Again, the main focus should be patients and families and putting them at the center of making all of these changes and making sure that we're doing these things at the right time, right place, right space. What are the five? What are the, there's so many rights now. I can't even remember them all. <laughs> I think they've, I think they've actually um, done away with the official rights. Right person, right place, right time, right site. Oh, there's too many rights. Just, just right follow policy. <laughs> follow the <Right>. order. <laughs> just follow the order. Don't cause harm. Um, yeah. Please do not cause <laughs> and harm. And I think that, like you said, Amy, if we know something can be done better or done um, more efficiently, think about if it was your family member or your loved one. Would you not want them receiving the best possible care rather than the care that's been carried out the same way for 10 years? So just think yeah. about that. We we can do it, nurses. I, I believe in you. I have faith in you that you can be the change and, and make the change. And again, uh, you know. I just, I just, I think the world of nurses, so. Absolutely. Hashtag be the change. Hashtag be the change. <laughs>